Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond. <coughs> Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Joseph Hammond. I'm a primary school music and computing specialist. And um, today is my first solo show for quite a while. I don't have a guest this week. Um, but anyway, hopefully I will um, keep being as interesting as I can throughout. Today I'm going to talk about progressive education. Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, I hope everybody is doing very well. Um, so today, what <clears throat> I wanted to talk about mainly was I wanted to talk about uh, progressive education and specifically, I wanted to address a few misconceptions, a few common misconceptions that people have about, about progressive education. Now, um, those that know me or those that um, have listened to my show before <laughs> will probably know that I work in a progressive school. I work in, um, I work in Liberty Woodland School and um, I uh, also work in the nursery franchise attached to that little forest folk. And um, yeah, I really, I think ever since I trained to be a teacher and ever since I found out more about schools and education systems that are going against the norm and uh, going away from the system, I always, I really wanted to work in a progressive school. Um, and uh, so when the uh, music teacher job for Liberty Woodland School came up, I just went for it and I really wanted the job and I fortunately got it. Um, now, at the time, it was just starting out. Um, the school had literally been open for um, for three months. Yeah, it, it, it had been open for a term. Um, and yeah. I interviewed in January, got the job, was supposed to start in April 2020, but yeah, you know, COVID hit and all that. So I started in September 2020 instead. But anyway, um, it would be very hard now for me to go back to um, a mainstream school in the future because um, of the advantages that we have as a progressive school and as a school that has ditched Ofsted and joined the Independent Schools Association and the freedom that comes with that, um, the, the more freedom that comes with that. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, Ofsted are not trustworthy enough to understand things that are 
again that 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 go against the education system. So that's where. Um, so I, I was I was very happy when we um, when we uh, when we ditched Ofsted um, when that that went through. But anyway, um, if you've never seen or been to a progressive school before, then it can sure it can be incredibly confusing. It can be incredibly overwhelming. It can maybe seem a bit strange a bit abnormal at first you know we've got um you know you see you see comments um or or opinions like you know but what do they what do they do in this situation how does this work how do they um how how do you how do children not fall behind how do you address this problem you know people have all sorts of questions and immediately it goes through their head why it wouldn't why it wouldn't work having a um progressive school and this is where um this is where you know misconceptions come into play because we every school is obviously different and there are some systems that are progressive and there are other progressive schools that just fall completely outside any any standardized system um which is where which is where we are where liberty woodland school are um so yeah i wanted to talk a little bit about some of the misconceptions that i've heard and uh what the reality is so first thing i wanted to um say is that um and this was um the deputy head at my school um said this to me when i used the word alternative um he corrected me and used uh, it's, it's not it's not alternative it's progressive and i think that's very important to um to show and in sir ken robinson's famous TED talk, Do Schools Kill Creativity? I think it was that one. It might have been one of his other ones. Um, but anyway, Ken said, the late Ken Robinson said, um, all, lots of these provisions are called alternative, but they work. And that really resonated with me. Um, and this was a very long time ago. And I think I can't remember if I was working then or I was still a student, but um, but yeah, it's alternative suggests that it's against the norm, um, that it's that it's abnormal, that it's unusual, and people who work in these systems want it want it to become more the norm. They don't what we we want because we've seen the benefits and advantages it has for the children. Uh, lots of the systems that we work, in, the benefits that they have for the children, the staff, etc., um, which is based on you know up to date research into education, the way people learn, not just children, but the way people learn in general. Um, it's all based on all of all of these all of these things, which 
is something that the government's own education system and traditional schooling has not caught up with at all. And it's, you know, it is a crying shame that that's the case. But, um, you know, successive governments, and, you know, I'm not taking any political sides here, um, whether it be, you know, Tony Blair's government, whether it be the um, current Tory government, whether it be previous Tory governments, um, every government has um, a sort of view of education that it's got to be rigid and it's got to be uh, <laughs> the term that our uh, that Mr. Gove used was rigorous, uh, that he loved. Um, and we're saying, hang on a minute, it doesn't have to be that way. Now, um, and yeah, I'm, and one thing that I want to make clear is I'm not saying that all progressive schools are the best schools in the world. And I'm not saying that all mainstream schools that fit within the system are bad because that's not true at all every system every every um ev every section of a particular industry has its good and its bad every you know just because there's some American police officers that have treated people badly and been overly violent doesn't mean that all American police officers are bad people. And, um, you know, you could say that about anything, really, just because some football fans decided to um, abuse um, the three um, uh, England players that missed penalties in the Euro final last year doesn't mean that all England fans are like that. And it's the same with progressive schools and mainstream schools. There are some mainstream schools that I follow closely on Twitter that I absolutely love and that I've even had some of them as guests on my show, such as Flakefleet Primary School. I've had Dave McPartlin on my show, the head teacher. Um, that is a school I love to follow. It's a, it's a school that I love seeing what they're doing and take inspiration from. And it's the same for um, progressive schools. You know, there's, I, 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 I really like my school. Um, and I also, there's also several progressive schools that I follow internationally and in this country. Um, Demete Academy in Newcastle is an example, um, a recently opened progressive school, and I'm really enjoying seeing what they're doing. Um, and, but that doesn't mean that all progressive schools are perfect and, um, and that everything should, everything should be the way we do it, because not everybody can, not everybody can make that work. You know, there's, there's been cases where staff, have worked at a progressive school, then gone on to try and start their own, and it's not gone well because they know how to do their job well within that 
in level of employment but in terms of running their own school it's a completely different um there's so much more that you have to consider that you i've i've not set up a school so i don't know exactly how it all goes but what i do know is that there's a lot that i don't know so if i tried to set up a progressive school now then i would come unstuck and there would be various things that would crop up that i did not know i had to be aware of and that i did not know that i had to do or people that might have problems with what i'm trying to do before it's had a chance to prove itself and stay open this is all things that you have to consider when doing this stuff and um so yeah um it's not alternative it's progressive and there will be uh, and on some political spheres they don't like that word but here's the thing Pete things everything has to keep up with the times you know technology moves super fast it updates and upgrades constantly um and education has stayed very traditional for hundreds of years and it's while there are some small things that have progressed i don't think it's enough overall now if you've heard me talk about my school before you will know that it is an outdoor school everything we do takes place outdoors and i say everything 99% of what we do takes place outdoors now one of the things that we have talked about a lot in our promotion material and to our prospective parents and to and one of the things that people assume about us is that we don't use technology and that's not true we just um we just actually got a uh, new um set of chromebooks and uh they've been put to good use by our older key stage 2 children now um i remember in when i interviewed for my current job i remember when i was asked do you have any other significant skills that you think would be of value to us or you or that you could offer and i said i had quite specialist knowledge in computing and tech and i wasn't sure if i should say that because i wasn't sure if uh that would be something that they would think oh oh dear no that's not what we want but it ended up being to my benefit because they said yeah ju- just because just because we are who we are does not mean that we completely ditch technology it's not something that um it's not something that we should just completely ignore because it's a huge part of life and i'm going to refer to this quite a lot um it is one of the top key skills that 
um, of 2025. Now, um, I'm sure many of you have seen this before, the infographic from the World Economic Forum um, about um, the top 10 skills that are going to be most required and most useful to people in, uh, in 2025. Two of those are technology use, monitoring and control, and technology design and programming. Now, so we would be doing our kids a big disservice if we um, if we just completely ignored technology. Lit of obviously the use of screens, the use of technology has got to be purposeful, and that is exactly what we do. And there's so many ways in which. Um, which I've introduced technology and the class teachers have used technology in creative ways in order to enhance the children's learning. And um, for our current project, which is about being um, project-based learning, which is about being eco-influencers, um, I've been supporting all the classes with the technology aspect of their, um, of their the kids' projects. We've had stop-motion films, We've had um, we've we've been making um, infographics on Canva. We've been making short documentaries. Um, we've been doing all sorts um, uh, uh, podcasts as well. And um, yeah, it's so it's something that comes in to lots of aspects of life, and just because. We are um, big on getting kids out in nature, getting ourselves out in nature, um, exploring outside, no matter what the weather is. Um, all those, all, all the things that um, you know, come into forest schools. And forest schools is, a, and I'll come on to this. Forest schools isn't just spending time outdoors. It's a, um, it's a thought process as well, but. Um, just because a school is outdoors and limits the use of technology doesn't mean it completely disregards it. And some people and even some um, parents that might sign their kids up to, to outdoor based schools might think, oh, yeah, I don't want my kids accessing any technology. But actually, um, that is doing the children a disservice. Limited, structured and um, um, what's the word? Active use of technology is very valuable in any education system. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, that I, I, the way I like to describe use of technology is, is it active or is it passive? Active is you're using technology to create. You're, you actually have to make an effort with what you're doing with your use of technology. Passive would be consuming something that someone else has created. So watching YouTube, um, um, what, uh, watching films. Um, now, as uh, even playing games to an extent, and as, as people who know me know, I am very into video games. Um, I love films as well. Um, but I'm one of those people who doesn't passively consume them. Um, I'm always 
I, I always have to be in the right frame of mind in order to sit down and properly enjoy and appreciate everything about a particular film, a particular TV show, or a particular game. Now, um, if you ask my mum and dad, they will say, yeah, in the past I would overdo um, the time that I spent playing video games, which maybe I did. Um, but his, but now I'm, I'm the kind of person who I, I really enjoy playing games and I'm an active participant. Um, and so, yeah, technology use just because uh, something is progressive and it advertises it limits the use of screens and gets kids outdoors doesn't mean it completely disregards technology. It's just the use of it is very different. And um, because Liberty Woodland School have got me, who's a tech nerd, I've been able to develop that within the school. And I've even used Minecraft Education Edition. And, you know, this, this is something that if you, if I just said, oh, we, we use Minecraft in school without explaining the context, that is just doing a disservice to, you know, because people are going to think, where's the value in that? But they haven't even, most of these people haven't even played the game. So you have to, you have to give it context. You have to show what it can do, and then you'll win most people over. Now, one of the things that specifically we do at Liberty Woodland and Little Forest Folk is we are outdoors in all weathers. Now, there is still a limit to that. We um, like. We weren't outside during Storm Eunice or the, uh, I can't remember the name of it, the fall of Storm Franklin, that's the one. We weren't outside during those storms. Um, we, were, we were inside. Um, we do have indoor areas. Now, luckily, Liberty Woodland was on half term, <clears throat> but Little Forest Folk wasn't. They uh, don't have... They don't have and have terms. Have annual leave, and the uh, and they have holiday camps, and they run all year round, um, apart from the obvious holidays. Um, and yeah, if if it's extreme cold, or it's a um, major heat wave, or there's a storm, we will take precautions, and we won't be out in the boiling sun when it's over 30 degrees all day? Obviously not, because we know that's extremely unhealthy. We won't be out all day if it's, you know, minus two or below, you know, you know, minus below minus five or something. If it's really, really cold, then we won't be outdoors all day. We'll take those precautions. And we'll think about those and we'll set provisions up to deal with those weathers. Now, <clears throat> but what I what I do think has happened in a lot of mainstream, uh, a lot of schools in general, 
uh, mainly mainstream schools. And I think I don't blame them in part for some of this. But here's the thing. Um, we're prepared because our kids and our adults, we have waterproofs, we have um, coats, we have all the kit, we have thermals, we have all the kit, which is kind of a requirement for all of us. So we are prepared for all weathers. So we can spend the whole day outdoors. We can put tarps up and uh, air, uh, areas of shelter if it's raining, if it's really muddy. Um, we can prepare for lots of, lots of types of weather. And I know mainstream schools won't be equipped to deal with that. But what is what happens when we sort of witty? <clears throat> I feel like lots of schools are teaching children to be scared of the weather. So I've been in mainstream schools where the slightest bit of drizzle outside means wet play. Now, the knock on effect that that has is the children then get it in their minds that, oh, oh no, it's, it's a slight drizzle. I'm getting a little bit wet. And then they freak out about that. And that's wrong. You know, that, that should not be the case. And I know there's um, an initiative. Um, uh, internet, uh, is it, I think it's called National Puddle Jumping Day or something where, you know, it's encouraging children to get their boots on and get clothes they don't mind getting wet and just jump in puddles. Now, that is a daily occurrence for us. They are children. They see a puddle. They jump in it. We let them because our kids have waterproof, waterproof overalls and coats. And they also, and so do the adults. So we embrace that. Um, but that's something that in a mainstream school, oh, they see a puddle. I've seen adults ban that, uh, anyone from going near that puddle and then punishing children for doing what is in their natural instincts to do, which is jump in that puddle. Now, obviously, there's limits, you know, if a child kicked water at another child's face, that would not be okay. And there would be there would be consequences, or we'd have to have a talk with that child. So it's it's about a balancing act. Um, because we we advertise that um, we're going to go outside in all weathers. That doesn't mean that it's literally all weathers. You know, we're, we're making the kids stand outside in minus five degrees all day. That's that's not that's not how it works. Um, it's it's about it's a balanced approach. But we, we are doing is we are teaching children not to be afraid of the weather. We're teaching children not to be afraid of if it's muddy, we're teaching children not to be afraid of um, of what's it, um, the rain. We're teaching children not to be afraid of, um, you know, snow or cold or hot, or if it's hot or anything like that. We're teaching children to manage it. 
and enjoy it. Um, there's actually two viral, well, one's a viral video, the other's a picture that I think should have gone viral. Um, and I'm going to talk more about this school within this episode, Summerhill School, one of the most famous progressive schools in the world, um, the inventor of the democratic school, A.S. Neal Summerhill School, this is. Um, they put a picture on their social media, which um, I just thought was brilliant. And it said, best way to enjoy a rainstorm. And it was a bunch of kids and teenagers in their swimming shorts, wearing swimming shorts and nothing else around a puddle. And I just thought that was perfect. Um, you know, it's just, um, I just thought that was, that picture was just perfection. You know, it was pouring with rain and these kids were just having a great time in their swimming shorts in a, in a, in a muddy puddle. And I'm sure they showered afterwards. Um, and then washed it off somehow. But, you know, it's just that that should be that should be how most people enjoy things. You know, if there's snow, um, what's the natural thing to do? You dress up warm, you go sledding, you build snowmen. Um, you obviously take precautions if it's particularly slippery and things. But I feel like lots of families, children, um, schools should try and make an effort to be a bit more prepared for different weathers. You know, a slight bit of drizzle shouldn't mean it's wet play and they have to stay indoors. Because when that happens, let's say it's been a week of, uh, and it's really rainy, and then the children... Um, they, they're stuck indoors. Often they do wet play in their classrooms all day and they, and, and they get bored and they get restless. And you see, you see kids quite literally climbing on the walls and climbing on the cupboards. And that's actually quite dangerous for the school property and for the kids in a compacted classroom. So... I really think schools are going to make an effort to embrace more weathers. Okay, we are going to listen to the ads and then we'll be back. I'll be back with more on this topic of progressive education and common misconceptions. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, 
Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Okay, so um, where was I? I was just talking about um, being out in all weathers. Um, that's something more specific to us. And I mentioned um, a couple of things um, here. So I want to talk a little bit about, yeah, there, there's different models. Now, some fit outside of all of those models, like us. You know, we are not a forest school. We have a lot of forest school uh, elements of the forest school norm that we explore in our program, in our learning, in everything we do. But we are not a forest school, in quotation marks, um, because that forest school is more of an ideal. It's more of a, a, a it, I, I don't know, but but we it's a part, a big part of what we do, but it doesn't describe a hundred percent of what we do. So we actually fall outside of any of these categories, but there are some, and they'll all have their different ways of doing these things that do have their own um, kind of, I guess, system. I, I can't think of a better word. So if you look on the Progressive Education website, progressiveeducation.org, you can actually see a lot of these different types and what they're all about and things like that. Now, so Forest School and Outdoor is indeed one of those. Um, and I think they would perhaps describe themselves, although, yeah, you'd, you'd have Looking at this, actually, and this this kind of sums up and um, gives gives a little bit of what I was talking about, a bit of context. A lot of these, um, a lot of these schools, um, 
actually have they're not just forest schools they also have other things attached to them although some are called forest schools and i guess some are purely forest schools um i guess they would I, and i know so i know i've heard of some of these and i know some of them like they don't just do daily um they don't just do daily uh you know everything they do is all all forest school they have weekly meetups for a homeschool groups or they have weekly meetups for um I- various te- you know teacher trainings or other things and i guess that is um that that's there's something that yeah for because forest schools you can't I mean, some people might argue this, but um, forest completely 100% forest skills and uh, bushcraft and everything like that isn't a complete school package. Now, because, you know, if I, if I didn't, if Liberty Woodland School didn't have the collection of instruments we have, which is growing um, and you know, I didn't bring in some of my own instruments, then it would be a very, um, then they wouldn't have much, be be able to do much music. And it's the same with a pure forest school. There's certain things that only forest schools could do within music. However, um, they would be missing out if they didn't have the experience of, you know, seeing and playing a piano or uh, a real professionally made piano or um guitar or ukulele or um whatever instruments you're choosing so um but yeah there are forest schools there are pure forest schools listed on the progressive education website and i do know about some of them i do follow some of them and lots of them have um homeschool groups that meet and lots of them also um provide external services to other schools and things like that so i guess it's a way but they're listed on here because it's you know an alternative way and i know lots of mainstream schools have their own forest school programs now what um the next one on the list is Steiner Waldorf. Um, the you know Steiner schools. Um, R- Rudolf Steiner founded them, and uh, you know it's some some of these. I know there's people that are kind of on the fence about Steiner schools, and indeed, we've actually had um, it's um, at my school. We've actually had some people um who have come from steiner schools to us and it's it is it is a a method now i've not been to a steiner school before i i've played in uh production for one of the steiner schools that's closed actually the king's langley steiner school which uh looking back i'm 
not sure I feel comfortable talking about that because they the the King's Langley Steiner School was a flag was supposedly a flagship at Steiner School, but then it closed due to extensive safeguarding issues. Um now again, my point at the beginning of the show, that absolutely doesn't mean that all Steiner schools are like that. It's just what happened to the King's Langley one, which is a real shame. Um but there are, you know, because there are some things about Steiner schools that uh, do make sense and have a lot of a lot of grounding in in research, like having mixed age classes or having a teacher stay with those kids for longer than just a year. Um, there's there's loads of there's loads of benefits to things like that having having older kids um help younger kids and younger kids learn from older kids and you know building relationships not just by age because that can become quite cliquey then but just generally across the school having those friendships um that's something that we have yes we have age-based classes but we also do a uh, classes do several things together and some of our classes are very much mixed age um and i think that's going to keep on going now then we also uh so there's there's certain things about steiner schools that you know i think lots of places could learn from now I will admit, I don't have very much experience with Steiner schools, so I couldn't say that much about them. And then next on the list is democratic self-directed. Now, I mentioned Summerhill School earlier, the most probably the most famous uh, progressive school in the world. Um, Summerhill is very much... Um, they... Um, it was set up in 1922, of all places, uh, of all times, and um, it's really, it's very. Um, I I've actually went to see it, and yeah, I had a, I had a good time there. It was it was very interesting. People there were really nice. I was um, I was really keen to. Um, I was really keen to get um, stuck into um, looking at what they did and how they did it. And yeah, it was all really interesting. Um, and a few, there's a few interesting things about my visit that actually I thought was, yeah, really, um, re really hit. Is it? Some of it's a cynical way of looking at it, but it, it can also be a little bit true. And yeah, Summerhill is has gone through a lot. Um, it's yeah, it's gone through a lot of ups and downs, and um, it's gone through a lot of ch uh, uh, well, the poor principles have stayed the same. But there's been certain 
there's been certain times when the school's been a little bit troubled, that certain things have happened, but they've survived a lot. They've survived lockdown. They've survived David Blunkett trying to close, former education secretary David Blunkett, Tony Blair's education secretary, trying to close the school down in 2000. They took the government to court and they won. Um, they survived a lot. And it's, you know, A.S. Neal, who founded the school in the 1920s, he wasn't this perfect teacher, but he looked at the school system and he said, this isn't right. This could be done so much better. And that's how Summerhill was born. And the way democratic education works, the, ma the main principles are kids have freedom to do what they want all day, but it's not completely, it's not complete anarchy. One of their, one of the things that they say is freedom, not license. And, um, you know, and what that means is you have the freedom to do things your way. However, if what you're doing is hurting somebody else and there's conflict, then how then you know that's obviously not okay and but the way they do things is very different it's not the adults setting consequences for the children it's about um they have democratic meetings and in those democratic meetings they would um they would all sit in the main hall in the main room and people would air their grievances they and they would talk about what they were uh, something that they thought needed to change and make a proposition or they would air their grievances with with somebody else if like an adult did something that was perhaps not right even or a child did something that perhaps wasn't right then it would be talked through and they would come to um he that the, they would um that and they would resolve it together um you know free uh, it, uh, the quote here says it must be emphasized again and again that freedom does not involve spoiling the child if a baby of three wants to walk over the table you simply tell him he must not he must obey that's true but on the other hand you must obey when necessary I get out of small children's rooms if they tell me to get out. Now, I know that last bit sounds a little bit suspect if taken out of context, but um, the point is that, um, yeah, people respect each other's boundaries. And that's something that, that's what Freedom Not License is all about. You can... You can help others, you can interact with others, you can do things that interest you, but you have to also take responsibility that you are, yeah, that you are not harming or doing doing something that is upsetting somebody else. And it's it's a very complicated thing, but the way they then resolve things 
is they would talk about it in democratic meetings where everyone has an equal voice. Students chair the meetings and people put their hands up if they want to say something. The, the student chairing the meeting will say, OK, let's hear from this person and they will make their point. People will say here, here if they agree with it. And then there might be a proposition and they might have a vote on that. And if the vote passes, then it's carried and that might be written down as a rule or an exception to a rule. Or if it's voted against, then it's dropped. Um, and there's also <clears throat> there's all sorts of things. And I I actually had um the when I visited Summerhill, we actually had the pleasure of um of seeing a meeting in action. And you know, they're not and and it's just everybody's super chill, just sitting in the main hall. Um some ask if they can go if they've um if they've said that uh, you know they've had they they're not they don't feel that they have much to contribute but the idea is it's like a community and adults don't always get everything right children don't always get everything wrong we can all learn from each other and that's something that's really stuck with me over the years now not everything that children want can always be possible, but that's what democratic education is all about, where you can make things happen and you can make things possible, but you don't have to do, but it's not always going to work out, but you come together as a community and you um and you resolve things together and we do a little bit of that although we have the adults are in charge we do get a lot of input from the children about if, if this rule isn't fair or if if this if they think this should happen etc and that's what democratic education is all about now what else do we have? Montessori. This is perhaps more um, more popular, and I know there's lots of Montessori nurseries out there. But what about a full-on Montessori school where that approach is explored throughout? Um, there's also small schools, um, and yeah, I guess this would be. Um, where there's a small number of students because it's literally called a small school. And I follow some of these on social media that I follow Educare Small School, I follow the, which is near where I live. I also follow the New Forest Small School. Um, and yeah, lots, loads of stuff that they do is, is really great stuff. And, um, and then Reggio Emilia, which is an Italian model based on the belief that children learn and grow through social relationships. Um, Atelier 21 Future School, I also follow them on social media. They do some excellent stuff. Let's see what um, Montessori schools are listed. Do I follow any of these? I don't follow any of them directly, but I do follow like 
a little bit about the Montessori method, which is about learning through play, practical activities, independence, cooperation, and uh, working at the child's pace. Something that we also try to do at, at my school, but we don't like to restrict ourselves to one particular system. And I'm sure every school that's listed under democratic does things differently. Same with Montessori, same with Steiner Waldorf, same with small schools, um, forest schools, and then other progressive, which is where we're listed, Liberty Woodlands School. Um, yeah, there's... So there's so much variety just within this one word, progressive education. And so, you know, it's it, it, not all of these can go under the same banner. And this is where, um, and this is one of the common misconceptions. And I guess those that were, um, in working in teaching and education in the 70s or remember schools in the 70s i wasn't alive then but those people might talk about how there was an influx of child-centered schools and education systems that came into play within the 70s and lots of them failed and they might use that as a reason why it can't work but that's not true that those the people who just jump on the bandwagon and expect it to work it's not that simple and you know i don't think that i could i could set up a successful music program and music teaching within a school within any of those schools or settings i could do that because that is my area of expertise, and, or, or maybe even a computing program. I could do those things, but I couldn't set up a whole school by myself. I mean, not, not right now. I couldn't just go, oh, yeah, I'm going to set up a school and then just do it. If I wanted to do that, I would have to do a lot of research, a lot of looking at things, a lot of looking at examples, a lot of learning about the systems, um, and there would be a lot of tedious things that I would have to go through in order to get it going. And that might drive me a bit insane. But yeah, there is there's a way there there there's there's more than just the mainstream system is my point. Um and even within progressive education, there's so many different systems. Now, timetabling and structure. Lots of people, they might take Summerhill as an example. At Summerhill School, lessons are 100% optional. This is not the case in all progressive schools. We have structure in a timetable. Most of the schools, unless they're democratic self-directed, they have a timetable and a structure. It might be less rigid. It might be more flexible. In our case, we might do a lot of play-based learning, a lot more project-based learning, because that's what we do. That's what my school does. But um, yeah, every, every school has 
has a different way of doing things. It doesn't mean they don't have timetable or structure. It doesn't mean that they, and I, I'm not a perfect teacher and no, there is no such thing as a perfect school, but we're always learning and we're always growing. We're always seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work. And just because it's a progressive school doesn't mean that just like the Summerhill statement, freedom, not license. It doesn't mean that there's, if, if there's a unexpected behavior, then we're going to talk to that child about that, give them a consequence if necessary, a consequence that is relevant. It's not a punishment. We're not trying to punish the behavior out of the child. We're trying to get them to see the impact that that behavior has or the or, or, or teach them, teach them how to regulate themselves, teach them how to do it in do this in a much better, more positive way. And that's actually, yeah, now I've just mentioned that, that is something that um, I did see on the socials. And I can't remember where I saw it. But it really, it really stuck with me. And it said, you know, you teach children maths, you teach uh, toddlers and babies how to walk, you teach them how to ride a bike. So why don't we teach them how to behave? You know, we can't, there are perhaps some things that we can expect from them. But in many cases, there, there will be certain ways in which they don't know how to behave in a certain situation. And so you do have to teach them. And, it, and I'm not just talking about being naughty and things um, and re showing respectful behavior and things. I'm talking about all sorts of things. So, for example, at Little Forest Folk, um, in many of the... Um, there's seven of the Little Forest Folk nurseries in many of the sites, in many of uh, in many of the different nurseries, we have to walk to base camp each day. We have a drop off point for parents and we walk to the base camp in the middle of the woods. Now, what can happen is we might encounter dog walkers. We might encounter dogs that are off the lead. Some of those dogs might get overexcited and jump up at the kids or the adults. Now, yeah, you could, that's uh, the way of dealing with that is a topic for another time. But if you don't tell children how to stop, how to behave in that situation, then they're going to get very frightened and they're going to probably scream or look at or look at the dog or run away from it all of those things are not helpful you have to teach them the proper technique we teach them to hug themselves give themselves a big hug which is some people say it's standing like a tree um it's all sorts of ways of doing it but you have to teach them that technique and some adults don't know that technique and if if you don't know that then your reaction to either a dog that's barking at you or a dog that's jumping up at you and you don't want it to 
your reaction might wind it up further. And so these things do have to be learned. And it's and it's, it's and and it's the same with behavior that's perhaps undesired or unexpected. You have to guide them. And no system is perfect. No school is perfect. No parent is perfect. Um, it's all just, it's all very, it's all, everybody has their own beliefs. And yeah, there might be some children where Liberty Woodland School is the perfect school for them, or Little Forest Folk is the perfect school for them, or Summerhill School is the perfect school for them, um, or any of the other systems is perfect for them. Doesn't mean it's for everyone. It doesn't mean that it can work for everyone. And just because, you know, I, I'm not, as people who have listened to my show or know me well will know, I'm not a fan of Ofsted. I'm also not a fan of um, the mainstream system in general. I work for a progressive school and I've seen how much better so many things in our progressive setting are for our children. That doesn't mean that all mainstream schools are so much worse than us and they're terrible. It doesn't mean that at all. Flakefleet Primary School, Arthur Burglar Primary School, two examples of mainstream primaries I follow on social media. And, you know, they just, I love so much of what they do. I had the head of Flakefleet, David Partland, on my show last year. He was great. He was a great guest. So you've got so many different ways of doing things and a lot of what I do in my own music lessons is actually similar between what I do at Liberty Woodland and what I did in my mainstream schools with some obvious differences I will do I will try and include opportunities for more children being able to come over and have a go at different instruments and um you know creating their own music or singing songs they've made to me during their own free play or project play and things like that i will try and create those opportunities i haven't always found that easy within music but then i will also do structured lessons similar to how i do it in mainstream where I would wa- I would do a warm up, then I'd introduce a new topic or in- or a progression from previous learning. We'd execute that and practice it, then we'd reflect at the end. That's a structure that I've carried with me ever since my first proper teaching job, um, and I don't see that really changing that much. Um, now. No, I, I'm going to talk about this last one after the news and uh, ads and two-minute tech. So we're going to listen to the uh, words from our sponsors and the uh, weekend news and the two-minute tech now. And then I'm going to go on to my last point. And then something that I noticed while doing some of my music lessons. We'll finish off with that. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, 
the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.wetherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. report in the Evening Standard covers the news that Eton College will open State 6 forms in towns in the north of England and the Midlands. The schools will be opened in Dudley, Middlesbrough and Oldham and will help students to get into Oxbridge and other top universities. The three areas are included in the list of 55 education cold spots that have been targeted for additional support by the government's levelling up agenda. It comes as part of a partnership with Star Academies. Higher achieving pupils at GCSE who are from poorer backgrounds will be encouraged to gain top A-level grades. Eton will bid in the next wave of the government's free schools programme, with colleges expected to welcome their first pupils in 2025. In the Gambia, UK-based charity Binti Period revealed its plans to introduce menstrual pads into the Gambia so that all girls have access. The charity believes that this would further ensure that girls do not drop out of school during puberty. In a meeting with the First Lady of Gambia, the charity also explained how it had embarked on a programme to train 100 teachers in the Gambia on menstrual education. The objective is to smash the stigma and shame attached to menstruation, but the training also covered other issues including polygamy, FGM and sexual grooming. Online lessons are to be made available to 100,000 refugee pupils 
said Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi. He was speaking at the Association of School and College Leaders annual conference in Birmingham. He stated, we are working with schools to ensure that the tens of thousands of Ukrainian children we will welcome to our shores will have a place in our education system. The lessons will be made available through Oak National Academy via an auto-translate function available in both Ukrainian and Russian. Matt Hood, Principal of Oak National Academy said, the work we have done to make Oak's lessons available in Ukrainian is only a tiny contribution to this crisis, but it is a tool that may help them re-establish some sort of routine once they reach safety. Finally, this week saw the annual recognition of International Women's Day, but a story in Schools Week reports that many colleges have had to defend themselves after a Twitter bot called them out for hypocrisy. Organisations across the UK came under fire after the gender pay gap bot retweeted their posts honouring the day with details added about their figures on women's median hourly pay compared to men's. Numerous colleges fell victim with some deleting their original posts. In response, some colleges have said that context should be considered. For example, Furness College in Cumbria, where women's median hourly pay is 32.4% lower than men's hourly rate, told FE Week that their gap was high because a large number of female staff are in lower skilled jobs. The Fawcett Society campaigns to close the gender pay gap and agrees that the divided labour market, where women are still more likely to be in low paid and low skilled jobs, is a reason for the gap, but says that inequalities and discrimination in the labour market must be reduced if things are to improve. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk timers. After being challenged to make a timer with shapes in PowerPoint, I thought I'd throw out a quick tip for the most common presentation software used in teaching. Microsoft PowerPoint and Google Slides. The easiest way to add a timer is embedding a YouTube timer video. In Google Slides, it's easy. Simply click on the insert menu and select video. You'll then be given the option to search YouTube. If you didn't know already, YouTube is full of timer videos. So type in the timer you want, for example, five minute timer, and you'll be given a list of videos to choose from. Select the one you want and it will embed. Finally, use the video format options to determine whether you want it to play on a click, start automatically or manually. Job done. You can also do this in PowerPoint, but you'll need to search YouTube first to find your video as you'll need the video's URL. If you're not a geek, that's the big long www address. Now you've got the address, select insert video and online video. Paste in the address and it will embed. Again, you can decide how it plays back in the playback menu. For both these methods, you need to be connected to the internet for them to work, but usually you will be. For this week's visual version, I'll retweet my example of the shape timer from last week and add a short tutorial demonstrating the methods I've just described. So don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, so what I um the last thing I wanted to do uh, to mention in this episode all about progressive education before I move on to my uh, last topic, which is going to be a musical one. I wanted to talk about um and I'm hoping to get the guy that initiated this on my show someday. Um, Empathy School Barley and Green School Barley. And what they did with uh, Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop RPGs. 
And the reason why I mention this is because Empathy School International, which is in uh, Bali, in um, specifically, it is located in, reminds me, I can't, I can't, I can't remember where exactly in Bali, but um, they, they're one of my favorite schools to follow at the moment on social media. They've got the, like so many joyous things that are um, that they're doing, and yeah, they they're starting their middle school program very soon. So they've got the primary school, and they're starting a middle school program soon, and it's led by Zach Rez. Um, who wrote the Teacher Gamer Handbook, which is all about using tabletop RPGs like Dungeons and Dragons within education and the benefits and how you can start yourself and all that. It's an, it's an excellent resource. Highly recommended. I'm hoping to get him on my show someday. Um, but what I want... Uh, the reason why I mention Empathy School is because... They released on Twitter their five um, main aspects of their curriculum. And they mentioned um, that one of their main aspects was gaming. Now, I've just, I've never seen that before, right? Um, but... It, I'm just trying to find the uh, the thing now on social media, but yeah, just just think about that for the moment. Now they base they also base a lot of um, their their middle school program is gonna a lot of their topics is gonna be from the UK national curriculum and uh, similar things. But yeah, here it is. This is the um, the Da Vinci life skills curriculum. Um, which is blending the traditional school subjects, the UK national curriculum, and more into expanded contextual transdisciplinary projects. And the four, um, the five pathways are gaming, pro uh, sorry, I'll start with the others actually, enterprise projects, civic design slash company building, personal exploration projects, autonomy and curiosity, production projects, theater, music, exhibitions, school food projects, school food and world lunches, and gaming projects, role-playing and live action LARP, which is live action role-playing. Now, that's just amazing. Yeah, I've, I've never seen anything like that before. But this is, um, I, I won't, be, being that Zach Rez um, is the um, director of the middle school program, I'm not really surprised that that's the case. Because, yeah, he, um, he as I say, he wrote the Teacher Gamer Handbook. And, um, and so he is very much a um it, the, being that he is now leading the middle school program of course he would include dnd &D and role playing into his uh into the empathy school program and it's something that 
I'm hoping to develop more of in my own skills and my own school and things because, you know, it's it's a way, um, and I discussed this a lot in the probably the fa- my favourite uh, podcast that I've ever done, um, which is the Dungeons and Dragons episode of my Teach Sort radio show. Still my favourite episode that I've ever done because I had seven guests all were super passionate about inclusion of tabletop RPGs and role-playing within education and all had different perspectives on it but all were promoting and talking about how much benefits they've seen and Zach Rez um, is sort of one of the leaders in this. So now I'm I would be very, I mean, I guess anyone would be very scared to move to a foreign country. But if one thing could persuade me to move to a foreign country, it would be if a music teacher job came up at Empathy School, Bali, or any of the big schools, Green School, Bali, Green School, Tulum, Green School, South Africa, or Green School, New Zealand. If any of those job opportunities came up, I may well consider moving to those countries. Now that would be a big scary thing to do because I'd be away from my fa- away from my family on the other side of the world. But who knows? So that's it. Those that's that's my talk on progressive education, some common misconceptions and some things about some of the various schools that you can find within progressive education and all those things. Now, I want to end this little um, little topic with, it's not a little topic, it's a big topic. I want to end with a few things that, ways in which we can reimagine education. And this is, again, this is on the Progressive Education website, progressiveeducation.org, which is mainly a UK-based website, but there's progressive education all across the the world. Um, And it's got a whole lot about children's rights as well. And, you know, a lot of the dissatisfaction from the system comes from, well, are we actually expecting children's rights? Is conventional schooling in breach of children's human rights? And maybe in some areas and in some places it might well be. Now, they list in their uh, uh, in their approaches section, or is it, where, where, where did I find this? I can't remember where I found this. I navigated to it somehow. Um, oh, it's on approaches. Um, and it's why do we need alternatives? 15 ways to reimagine education. And I'm going to read these out. Number one, raising the school starting age. Child- children, especially young children, learn through play. And, um, you know, the longer that we can keep that up, the better in so many way- in so many places, in so many ways. Um, Number two, prioritizing play. And this goes for all ages, really. Um, Research suggests it takes several hundred times for a child to master a skill 
if they're learning it. But if it's done through play, it takes 10 to 20 times on average to master that skill. So it's like a natural state of flow and a natural determination. Number three, placing students in mixed age groups with mixed abilities. Now, this isn't, um, again, uh, th this is actually many, there are many, so many positives to this because your older children can help the younger children. They often really enjoy doing so and teaching them, helping them out with certain techniques and things and just looking at seeing that it's okay to it's okay if a younger person's better than you at something it's okay if you haven't quite mastered a skill yet and an older person can help you there's there's so there's so many positives to that um there was the famous viral story about um uh the kindergarten or, or early years setting that's bond uh, that's in the same place as an old people's home and the positive impact that's had on both the children and the um retired and the retired people that are staying in the old people's home um so that comes into that number four eradicate standardized tests which put pupils and teachers under unnecessary pressure I mean, we don't do exams. Um, when we open secondary, we're doing the International Baccalaureate, which gives us um, is the method of assessment, but it's much less pressured. Pressure of exams is just is just nuts these days, in especially in the UK. Value number five: value creativity and innovation speaks for itself. Number six, prioritize mental health and well-being also speaks for itself. Number, se uh, number seven, practice democracy and mutual respect between staff and pupils. Now, this is an interesting one. Only the democratic self-directed schools truly have this, but there's something to be said for, I think many schools could do perhaps do this better. Now, sure, there are some times when you have to show show a child the consequences of their actions or how what they're doing is perhaps unkind or not um, a good thing to do to somebody else or say to somebody else. There's got to be there's got to be that boundary, but at the same time, often rules are not done with you know mutual respect and that can be very harmful if you're if you're you know because it, it, it i guess i guess it's about ditching because i said so um or you know just because that's that's the rules um and it's not some people say, oh, they need to be prepared for life and life is not fair. Well, yes, life is unfair, but um, we can tell children to expect life to be unfair sometimes, but that doesn't mean we have to be unfair ourselves. That's not preparing them to deal with that. 
preparing them to deal with life being unfair is showing them how to resolve these things and giving them safe spaces where things are as fair as they can be. Um, number eight, value self-directed education. Now, we are all our our system uh, at Liberty Woodland isn't self-directed. We do have a curriculum we teach, but um, we do also put in place lots of interests with the children and we follow those. Number nine, broaden the national curriculum. Now, if we overload it, then that's defeating the point. But yeah, lessening the focus of the academics and the things that can be measured, because that's what's killing education. Number 10, reduce the amount of time spent at school. This is something that we do as well. We um, The kids come in Monday to Thursday. They have um, their days are eight o'clock, uh, 8.30 until 4.30. Um, and then uh, they have Fridays off school. So they have a three-day weekend. Um, and yeah, I couldn't imagine them they're already quite tired by Thursday. I couldn't imagine them coping with a Friday in school as well, unless it's for an exceptional circumstance, maybe. Enhanced teacher training to equip teachers for the job. Yeah, um, ongoing ongoing teacher training has to be relevant and uh, has to be delivered well. Reduce class and school sizes. Yeah, 100% agree with that. That is... Um, that is just so important to have that available so that people can get value from the relationships they build with their peers, with their um, with their teachers. It is now you could argue that if there's less other children to interact with, that it might be difficult, more difficult to make friends. But at the same time yeah it's about having individual um attention from the adults and deeper relationships and that's really and that's can only be a positive thing facilitate parent teacher collaboration yeah um there's so so many rants about parents um, lots of lots of teachers um that you know you've got to make the effort to engage with parents and you know the parents have got to be supportive of the school it's got to be a two-way thing so that's absolutely right um and uh number 14 equip students with the skills needed for adulthood and the workplace i already talked about the world economic forum um thing uh, with the key skills that are going to be needed in the 21st century by 2025. And number 15, the education system is outdated, create a new model for the 21st century. Now, obviously, that, ain't, that isn't going to happen overnight. But one thing that has been, uh, that I've noticed is there's a Reddit thread called Anti-Work. And there's lots of articles on the internet are talking about the great resignation and i think something that's come out of lockdown is that 
people are sharing stories where they've been mistreated at work or mistreated at school. And it's leading to more people walking out so that they can look after themselves. And I think this is something that could be said for life in general. Things have to be updated. Work systems have to be updated. School systems have to be updated. And it's not going to happen overnight. But what people are saying, and lots of many people, many children are perhaps doing, are, are thinking about alternative or progressive systems after after lockdown. And I think it's something that we could, it, as I say, it's not going to happen overnight, but the children really need, uh, really deserve the best that they they could possibly get in terms of uh, in terms of making sure they can be the best versions of themselves, and so do employees. And this this anti work thread has, you know, obviously these are stories. They might not all be true, but it's it's making a point about you know employers mistreating their employees and how many schools are out there where the children are perhaps mistreated and seen as a statistic um, rather than actual children. Uh, there's good eggs and bad eggs in any system, but it's got to be something that is, there's a push for change. And that's my firm belief. So, that's my talk on progressive education and I'm going to end today with something on the guitar because um, when I've been teaching ukulele, I've been teaching them chords, um, but I've recently started teaching my kids the guitar, uh, my Key Stage 2 kids, the um, whole class guitar lessons. Now, I haven't been teaching them chords, I've been teaching them riffs. So um, we started with Iron Man. We then went on to Smoke on the Water. Um, some of the more advanced kids are learning James Bond. And yeah, some of them have found that way easier than the ukuleles. I think possibly because they only have to worry about one note at a time. Um, and I guess we can pro pro progress from there. But yeah, I just found that very interesting. So. When you learn guitar first, first riff you learn, smoke on the water. Etc. First, uh, one of the first riffs you also learn, Iron Man. Now, my Key Stage 2 kids have only had two 
pole class guitar lessons, which have been about half an hour each. And they're doing pretty well with Iron Man and uh, getting used to smoke on the water. They played along with Iron Man to the original track um, on uh, two days ago. So, and that's only after two lessons. So now that might be credit. That's a credit to them, but also um, it's going to be interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll keep thinking about that. Right. Um, I've overrun uh, slightly. Um, so thank you very much. If you've been listening, thank you very much. If you've downloaded this episode and listened after it's gone live and I will see you next time. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.